Do you know the author? No, I don't, and I don't know the title either. But it's a blue book, and it kind of gives the whole story. You know. Have you a real love of books and learning? Welcome to episode 39 of Adventures in Library Instruction. So I'm Rachel Borchard. I'm the science librarian at American University. And on my left is Anna. Hello, everybody. Happy August to you. This is Anna Vanskoik. I am a part-time reference librarian for a public library system in New Jersey. And to my left is the ever-popular Jason Puckett. Jason, give us the deets on yourself. Hi, everybody. This is Jason from Georgia State University in Atlanta, and I'm the communication librarian here in downtown Atlanta. I hope everyone's well today. And we have a guest today. Rachel, you you know our guest best. Would you you introduce our very special guest, please? Well, I'd be happy to. Uh, Our guest today is Robin Chin-Romer, and she is the communication librarian, just like Jason, at American University. And she's one of my great colleagues and wonderful coworkers. So she's also sitting right across the table from me, which I believe marks the first time that we've ever had two people recording from the same room, which is a little weird, but really fun. I'm, so, I, I'm trying yeah. to remember when we interviewed Sarah, if or when we had Sarah Steiner on, if she was in the same room. She might have been across in the other building from me. But yeah. anyway, welcome, Robin. Thank you very much. It's great to be here both in the room and and on the podcast, and it's also a pleasure to have two communication librarians within the same virtual space. That does not happen often enough. That's true. That's true. Um, So we're going to talk about – what are we going to talk about? You guys have some ideas about what we're going to talk about this month. Well, I thought – does anyone have any updates? So we usually do updates at the top of the show. Or this whole show could just be our updates. It probably will be. Okay. Well, it's the first day of class here at Georgia State. I'll just jump oh in gosh, and say already? it is the first. I know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm really fire. not sure how this happened. I, I kind of want to get to the gym this week, but I know that my private gym is going to be gone because all the students Me. are back. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so it's really busy around here. Um, I already had a Zotero consultation this morning. I mean, it's, it's already started because I've been working with new grad student orientation last week. Um, this was kind of cool. I did something for the first time this year. Um, every year the communication department does a five hour, uh, and I mean five hours, not five credit hours, five consecutive hours. <laughs> of research ethics training for new graduate students. It is apparently, I don't know if this is a federal mandate or a state thing, but they they do this every semester, and I decided that this would be a good thing for me to sit in on. So it was taught by one of the senior uh, journalism faculty who's also a, uh, he's got a JD, and teaches communication law stuff, and so they tapped him to do the um, communication ethics seminar, and so I basically spent a whole day with uh, in a classroom with being a student with the new grad students, so that was pretty cool, um, and I, I learned some stuff. 
And uh, it was it turned out to be a really good outreach thing, if nothing else. Even if I had learned nothing, um, I ended up getting in conversations with several of the new grad students. And uh, as a result, they asked me to put on a, a Zotero workshop. So I'm doing that this week uh, as a, a special student request. So. so were you an active participant then? Like, were you put in, like, the were you put in small groups or it was oh. five hours of lecture oh god yeah <laughs> it was five hours get out <laughs> but i was really impressed with the professor who did it because i i told him afterwards i was really impressed that in hour five he actually had people raising their hands and asking questions and bringing up discussion points and uh, he did a great job with that um it was not the format that i would have chosen you know, I would have tried to do more active learning stuff. It was five hours of just lecture and whatever discussion came up informally was fine. And he was answering questions and, and things like that. But he had five hours of lecture planned. Yeah. That is a marathon. That's a lecture marathon. It really was. We did get a lunch break, but otherwise that was it. Yeah. Just just sitting in the classroom for five hours. And Jason, you said you think it's a state mandate for I it is some kind of a requirement and I don't know if it's a if it's a federal thing or a, if, if this is a state Georgia state thing, but um, new grad students are required to have five hours of research ethics instruction. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think that's a federal thing, unless maybe it replaces a class sort they would otherwise take yeah but. and maybe maybe if it's a federal thing is somebody said federal but i i questioned that because i didn't think that i had heard of that at, at any other institution from any of my other friends so anyway but it was a it was an interesting experience um i don't know if i'll go back next year or if i'll go like every other year or whatever but it was it was worth doing to you know to just go and talk to the uh the grad students over the the course of this class so so that was cool um, I think that's it for me. I've got classes coming up. I've got my usual batch of classes starting next week, and uh, it's it's going to be busy around here. But um, uh, I think that's all that's really going on. I went to a, a communication faculty meeting last week. I had to tell them about some budget cuts, but I brought in some um, you know some good news along with that. They've they've cut our collection budget by a, a pretty big chunk this year, um, and so how did that go? I mean, were they and already kind of knowing what was going on, or it was it was okay. Um, I I had to go in and say my collection budget's been cut by thirty percent, but I started off by saying before you panic when I tell you this, let me tell you why it's not as bad. And I and then I went on. <laughs> I was just going to ask, how did you prep for that? <laughs> I, said, I went on to say, um, you know, communication has actually had a fairly generous budget, and sometimes I've had to scramble to spend it all, so, you know, a cut is not as bad as it sounds, and, um, uh, you know, it's every department on campus, I mean, every every department in the library that we collect for has, has been cut by about the same amount, and, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a big chunk, and it's going to hurt, but it's our, it's our firm order budget, um, you know, it, it doesn't affect, our, our approval books are still um uh, they're either not affected or they're not affected as harshly but we'll still be getting approval books and um it's just the firm order stuff that I'm collecting that I select individually so um so they they took that uh, uh news pretty well able to talk nice. about you know other here are the great things that we're doing for you and you know talked about new instruction plans and stuff like that so anyway 
Jason, just out of curiosity, has there been like a lot of buzz about the GSU copyright oh, yeah. decision at GSU? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, it affects all of the faculty because they have to do a fair use um, analysis form for every item mm-hmm. that they put on reserve. Um, wow. Got new guidelines based on the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, that, per- in particular, it affects uh, books you know, scanning sections of books. Mm-hmm. So the faculty really are very aware of that. I got an email this morning from one of our new professors saying, where are these guidelines that you were talking about at the faculty meeting so I can make sure that I'm in compliance. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it affects, it affects us pretty, uh, uh, you know, anybody who's working with reserves uh, is really affected by it. We're very, very aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also our, our Dean has, has said, uh, the phrase she used is it has radicalized some of the campus on copyright and open access issues. Um, we're really going to be pushing the uh, open access digital archive, our uh, institutional repository. And uh, so I talked about that at the faculty meeting and I had some professors uh, get in touch with me and, and say, you know, how does this work and how do I get involved with, you mm. know, how do I upload my stuff? And so that's really cool. It is. Yeah, it is. So we're trying to put a positive spin on it as much. Yeah. It's a good opportunity to, you know, open up discussion lines. It is. Um, fortunately, our uh, uh, repository services librarian left over the summer, and so we, we're between people. We just put mm. that job. But, um, you know, we've still got uh, one of our associate deans is handling that, so it's still up and operational and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, exciting stuff. Um, so we're, we're looking at it as an opportunity as much as possible. I mean, we're realistic about the... Um, but it, it came out as well as as we could have expected, I think, for Georgia State. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's enough out of me. What, what <laughs> what's next, Anna? Why don't you go next, and then um, uh, Robin and Rachel can segue into what they want to talk about. Does that make sense? That sure. makes so much sense. It's just too logical for my brain to wrap around. <laughs> Uh, I'm not really, I don't have any back to school for now. For me, it's, um, the students are gone. They're going back to school away from me. (laughs) (laughs) They're being in the library all summer. Um, teaching wise, uh, did I tell you guys about my website class I did? Focusing on Google sites. It was so interesting. It was a full class. I cap off my classes at 10 and I had a waiting list. And I'd never have enough gumption to say, you know what, you didn't make, I, I don't have enough room. I let them in anyway. And then I got chaos because I have too many people <laughs> in the class. Aww. But what was interesting about it was not only the varying degrees of computer literacy, um, but what people wanted to do with their websites. I was surprised at how many people wanted to sell things. I don't, I don't know why, but I, huh. there so many people that wanted to use, create a website to sell merchandise, to sell pottery or pictures or whatnot. And, um, I was totally not prepared for that because you have to hmm. think about how would that transaction happen? Like, it, I mean, they wanted secure oh, right. yeah. financial. So it was, I, my lesson I took away from that was tweaking my, um, blurb on what my class is about because I just yeah. was not prepared for that at all. You thought about just teaching them Etsy? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking actually when you said that because that seems like it's a it's a trend with people selling it but mostly like on, on Etsy I didn't think yes. about it through other sites. 
Yes, and I don't know if it's just that they wanted their own online presence, like a, a homepage kind of thing, which I guess then you could do that and then point them to Etsy, which sure. I didn't even think of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's food for thought for next time. But uh, So that was interesting. That was a little stressful. And I'm teaching LinkedIn for the first time this coming week. And ah, is that why I got the LinkedIn request from you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be my friend. Be my connection, Rachel, please. No, you're just fancy. It was like we work on a project together, and I've never seen that level of detail. LinkedIn, you can actually list projects that you're working on. So I'm like, well, hey, I'm doing this podcast. Of course, Jason Puckett is not on LinkedIn. (gasps) What? I'm going to – I was hoping I could get away with not (laughs) saying this. I actually deleted my LinkedIn account because I couldn't figure out – what I should be doing with it that I wasn't already doing in some other forum. Um, so I just, all, all I ever did was I got, I got requests and I would either accept or ignore them and then never look at it again. So that was it. That brings me to a question. Anna, what, what do you teach in your LinkedIn workshop? Is it just kind of the, what LinkedIn is or do you help people fill out certain parts of it? It's going to be a little bit of those two things, but the main thing is going to be I'm on LinkedIn now what the hell do I do? Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I want that class. Jason was saying, because I didn't even realize all these different things that you could do to interact with um, interest groups. And, like, I've, I didn't realize all these different interactivity things that I could do on LinkedIn. You can set up polls. You can um, oh. go into discussion boards. So it's – it's, it's something I definitely do do with Facebook. If anything, I find that I do it what I what you can do on LinkedIn, I've already kind of been doing on FriendFeed with the Library Society of the World. FriendFeed um, room, is that what they call it? Yeah. Channel? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but it, it expands it more beyond, beyond those people. And I'm, I've interacted with other people, um, which I have not interacted with through LSW. So... That's it's there's kind of that's kind of what people I, I'm going to focus on is how you can actually get in there and interact with other people using LinkedIn. And I think, Jason, for someone like you, I mean, there's so many venues that you're already using. And I don't know if LinkedIn would be, you know, something that you would use because you're getting what you need through other places. So but LinkedIn is kind of the pop, you know, the big one that people are using specifically for professional development. So that's what I focused on. Sure. And I know I don't mean to diss it at all. I, I know oh, it no, works great for do. a lot of people. It was just <laughs> I just I found that it was another account that I wasn't using and all it was doing was generating email extra email to my account. So finally I I just said yes. screw it and deleted it. So Um And then a whole other flip side of teaching was the whole manga club that I've been I've got to do it again, so I've done it a couple times now. And we did this thing last week. It was so much fun, and it was – I love it, for one thing, because the, the students who are coming are just hysterical, and they're so into the anime and into what they're reading, and they can't stop talking about it, and they love it. And remember – I don't know if you remember when I talked about this a few months ago, I was concerned that they weren't going to talk mm-hmm. and that it was going to be – me just kind of talking at them, and it's just—it hasn't been like that at all. And this last week, we actually went through on YouTube and we showed each other our favorite opening and closing um, credits to anime that we watched. Aww, <laughs> and we constructed it. It was so much fun. So yes, it's not academia, but 
So, Excellent. Anna, are you going to start attending as a member now? You sound pretty into it. <clears throat> I'm going to take fifth on that one. <laughs> I have read some, so I'm reading it a little bit more. Do, do we need to redefine this for this term for listeners? I know what you're talking about, but... Yeah, what is manga, Anna? Why do we have to redefine it? The because whole no, I mean, can you explain what, what you're talking about for people who don't know what manga is? The, um, it's the literature, I, I always think of it as being a Japan, Japan based literature. And it's, um, I don't even know how to explain it. I just know it when I see it. Oh, cause I was gonna say <laughs> Japanese comic books. Is that in, inaccurate? No, I think that's fine, but oh, I think okay. it's more than comic books, Jason. Okay, okay. I'm all right. I'm sorry. Clearly, I need to come to your club. No, oh, I didn't. I didn't mean redefine. I didn't mean redefine. Like, do you need to? Ex, do you need to create a new definition? I meant, did you need to <laughs> e- explain it again for people who didn't hear that episode and don't know what you're talking about? Manga is. You, it is more comic book like because it does tend to be in series. Like, it's it's not just one novel. So yes, I guess it is more of the comic book type peri- uh, publication because it does come in series. And it's pretty addictive, I gotta say. Once you get the, and you read it left to, or right to left, and you read it kind of opposite of how we read, and that took me a little get, getting used to. I'm like, this story makes no sense. What's going on? <laughs> it's mostly for adults, too. It's a little more, the themes are different than um, some other types of, of comics out there that might be not classified as manga. Isn't that right? Yes. And that actually brings up an interesting point because there have been some things that have been brought in and I'm like, is this appropriate to be talking to (laughs) teenagers about? And what I have found is that it's so subtle. I don't think they get it. Ah. Like if it is like a sexual type thing (laughs) that it's so above their heads that they don't get it where I'm like turning red while I'm reading it or something (laughs) like okay next issue (laughs) it's 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 funny you say I used to teach uh, middle school and we had an animation club I remember this was years ago so I think it's really it's very much different what you're what you're seeing in your club but I remember it was always trying to screen videos and things ahead of time to look for inappropriate content and half the time I didn't know (laughs) <laughs> like what, I didn't know what I was looking at, let alone uh, if it was appropriate. So we had a lot of a lot of nervous moments where someone would say, "Let's watch this," and I thought, "I have no idea." <laughs> so for this okay. general animation, but I think the yeah. literature is a little different. I would, yeah, I do think the literature is different, but um, but it's been fun. And uh, whenever my our youth services as- librarian asks me to do it, I jump on it because I think it's a good time, and it's different. <laughs> It sounds like fun, Anna. That's all I got. <laughs> it ain't no bibliometrics, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good way to get more people interested, though. It's it true. Bibliometrics and manga. <laughs> I'd go to that. Yeah, I don't know how we'd combine those, but I'm sure we can figure something out. So can I talk about my updates? Like yeah. what I'm doing. So our, we start class next Monday. So this is like scramble week for us, you know, putting our ducks in a row. Um, so we're doing the treasure hunt again this year. Um, I just only talked about it last year. And our big issues were that not that many people came and people were getting lost. So uh, we have all these like new ideas. We're partnering with all of the, the RAs um, and offering a prize for um, 
any pretty much any RA that brings the majority of their haul is eligible to win um, free breakfast, uh, including like donuts and bagels for their whole floor. So uh, we're hoping that that encourages lots of people to come like in big groups. Um, oh, and the, sorry, the treasure hunt is just like a, a library introduction um, since they don't actually get any tours um, of the library. Um, so it's a way to like go to, you know, like the CERC desk and the reference desk and do fun activities and then get a prize at the end. Is that part of orientation, like the official orientation? It is included, but it's optional. So, and that's been the tough part is that we can't make people come. So we just have to make it sound really exciting. Um, so pirate themes and getting their eyes involved, you know, so, uh, I think we have better marketing than we do last year. It's on the library homepage and all that fun stuff. Are you wearing the monkey suit? I was just going to ask that. (laughs) Of course we have to ask. Well, yes, I am. Yeah. I think I will do away with the face paint this year because I ended up looking more scary than monkey like, um, yeah. And I'm still thinking about like maybe buying a monkey mask. I don't know. I just feel weird being like all the other, um, mascots are you can't really see their face so you don't know who it is <laughs> you know so i don't want to be like i'm the science librarian but i'm also this monkey you know i'd rather it was a secret to the students anyway i agree <laughs> i agree it's, it's just I, exactly yeah it's much more mysterious and fun that way but more primate <laughs> <laughs> yes more alive than a skeleton um <laughs> Sorry, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Emery had Dooley, the giant walking skeleton that would walk around and, like, he apparently had the ability to let people out of classes and stuff. Oh. Yeah, he wasn't the official mascot of the library, but, or not of the library, of the university. Of Emery, yeah. Yeah. He was funky. That sounded kind of terrifying until you said the get out of class part, and I thought, oh, well, (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't actually giant. Okay. He, oh, yeah. he was regular size. Sorry, human that size. Helps. That helps. That helps <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> he was like the coolest guy on campus, though. But it's always like a secret who Dooley is. Oh. Anyway, so the treasure hunt is happening on Friday. Hopefully that'll go well. And um, I think I mentioned a while ago I'm also coordinating our college writing program. And that's happening on Wednesday, the kickoff for all of the college writing professors meet their librarians um we'll see you know i'm sure there's going to be some kind of mishap somewhere along the lines but no. so far so far it it's looking like everything's going well <laughs> i guess not much to say other than that's happening um and then uh i have office hours for the first time i'm really really <gasps> excited so we don't have offices uh which makes office hours a little difficult <laughs> um we're also behind a locked door it's, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot, a lot of issues. That makes the drop in a exactly. little trickier. Yeah, got to know the code. Exactly, yeah. secret <laughs> knock. But I've found over the over the past few years that all of the students tend to ask me when my office hours are, and that seems to be their expectation that you're like a professor, you know, and that you drop in, and that's the the model that they understand. And I don't think they, you know, like I do see appointments, but not that often. So I'm hoping that it, they respond more to this. Um, but I'll be in the psychology office, um, cause psychology is the largest department that I serve. Um, so the graduate student lounge and I'll be there, uh, two hours a week right now and we'll see, but I just sent out like a blurb to include on syllabi for my professors about how to contact me and when my office hours are. So yeah, so 
I've been uh, <laughs> I've been doing that for a couple of years, and uh, over in the comm department, and I found location matters a lot because I, I used to get a lot more foot traffic where they had me before, and I'm kind of over in a corner now, and I don't get as much. But just being over there and and having even if the if it's not so much for the students. Uh, just having your face in front of the faculty a couple of hours a week um, can make a big difference in the amount of contact you have with the, the department. So it, it's worked out well for me. I think I've gotten more contact with faculty out of it than students. But it's also nice to just have that that time blocked off. So when students ask you for an appointment for a consult, you can tell them, you know, what the first thing I do is I say, okay, these are my office hours. Would that work for you? Mm-hmm. And if not, then we can talk about it another time. But I've already got that time on my schedule, which is nice too. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. Now, are nope. you in an actual office, Jason? Are you? Because Rachel said she's going to be like in the lounge, so she'll be kind of out in the open. I, I'm in a corner. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm in a yeah. I'm in kind of an alcove. It's um. I mean, there there is an actual table and a computer, and so on. But I'm not. I'm not actually in an office. I did previously have a very small office over there, but they moved some people around. Um. So it's it's a little alcove. It's in the office areas, but not actually in an office. And it's gotcha. just it's me and a table and a computer. Which is fine, you know. I'm over there two hours a week, so I don't need, you know, I don't, I don't need a, a a lounge. Um, I don't need a a couch and all that. But um, you know, it's uh, so it's fine. I I just have a place where I can tell people this is where I'm going to be, which is really all I need. And in fact, the department is moving uh, in a few months. I mean, physically moving to a new building, so I don't know what's going to happen either. You know, it could mean I get my own regular office over there. It could mean that. Uh, they don't have a space for me anymore. It could mean anything in between. I suspect it mean it's going to mean I get stuck in a different small office in a corner somewhere. But you know, it could be anything for all I know. I don't know what the space is going to be like. I do yeah. love that both of you are going to be in your areas, like in your subject. Like you're going over to their departments. I mean, that kind of makes you a part. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Like, like you're a part of this department. I mean, it's not like you're separate over here in the library. You are actually an integral part of the department. I like that. And that it sounds like such a simple thing, but it can really make a difference. Do you? I, yeah. Have you ever done that? Have I ever done that? Yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you um, hours? I, I, I've been playing with the idea. What I've done um, more is sort of um, take over a class that is in existence. Sort of like, um, for example, we have a, a new. Uh, PhD program for our school of communication, which is great. Uh, and they're pretty small uh, cohorts right now since we're in, I think, coming up on our second year. So um, it's, you know, communication students, film people, journalists, and et cetera, they're, they're sort of all over the place on campus. So the easiest way to sort of get their uh, both attention and, and catch questions is often just to come in like the last 20 minutes instead of doing like a session, just sort of show up with, you know, food. <laughs> just say, hey, you know, I've got got you guys here if you have anything you want to chat about. So I've been kind of targeting it to, you know, co-opted class time. But I've been I'm thinking about doing office hours. It's just, uh, you know, space space is right. a total problem. Um, I'd love to do it. I, basically, I'd love not to be um, so inaccessible where I where I sit, you know, on a regular basis. So. Um, I'll, if if you guys have good ideas, I might steal them <laughs> and then put, them into, uh, put them into effect. But uh, I think they're great. If you, you know, it doesn't if it's a corner, an alcove, an off, a lounge, whatever it is, it's 
it's sort of like Anna says, it's it's someplace you're you're really working with the department. I was really shy about asking them for space because I felt like it was an imposition and I'm not I I mean, I'm I'm in partnership with their department, but I'm not employed by their department and so asking for space in their department really yeah. felt weird to me and like an imposition. It turned out not to be a big deal at all, you know. I just I sent the the department head a, an email or or I may, I may have even brought it up in a faculty meeting that I was invited to I was like hey you know I could do this if that's something interesting to you guys and then I sent him a follow-up email and was like if this is something you want me to do let me know who I should contact and he said yeah sure that's a fine idea he didn't care and he was like just you know email our office manager and and tell her to set you up with a space and so I did that and and that was all there was to it it was it was really easy and you know and if they had said no that wouldn't have been a big deal either i don't know why i was so shy about asking so no I like the casual approach it doesn't have to be you know this this three point list of all the things you need <laughs> to make it happen <laughs> right and, you know, I, one of our issues is that the building that has the the School of Communication, my department, it's the main floor is like the student common eating space. So I could, you know, we don't really have any free offices and they don't really have another study space. So I could sit in this general lounge, but you have the whole school coming by and I don't know if I could be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of it's sort of like, you know, is how informal will still work Um I did try doing, I should say, um, virtual office hours. I don't know if any of you guys ever tried that before. I haven't. Um, I I was asked to do it by a professor one time, but I, it was it was too much of a commitment. She wanted me to. It was for an online class she was doing, and I was like, you know, I'd love to do some online outreach. And she said, maybe you can do virtual office hours where you would just be there available in chat for two hours a week or whatever. And I was like, I can't really give two hours a week to sit there and wait for your students to show up. I was nicer about it right. than that. But, right. You know. <laughs> like, well. Right, right. Yeah, it's something I keep thinking that if I can't get a good informal space, maybe that's something to play with. But it's, it's also, you know, it depends on if you have people asking you to do it, um, that's already a great step. I think I'd also have to convince people that it's a good idea in the first place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> be in this online space that you're not signed up for and don't know how to get there. It's not as appealing. Hmm. When Rachel, I was at, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Do you, Rachel, do you remember you and I did in one of the uh, the student, in one of the dorms, we tried doing the, the librarians, what was it, librarians to go or something? Did and that ever actually happen? We went over there and we didn't get any business. We ended up yeah. just chatting with a couple of the students who were there, but they didn't have any library questions, so. Yeah. The only questions we got was, why are you here? Why are you here? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we counted that in our stats. There you uh, go. Yeah, exactly. That was outreach. And I used to put my IM on all my contact information, have that, you know, just because I was always on IM. Um, but I've since switched over IM services. I used to be doing using AOL, and now I'm Gmail, and I'm worried about them seeing my statuses, and I'd rather keep that private. So... And I've been fussy. I don't know. I just don't feel like logging into another IM service just to see if anyone wants to IM me. But I would occasionally get questions on IM at Emory, maybe once every four months or something. So. I, I did that here, too. And um, I, f- I found that I was it was too disruptive to my workday when I was doing other things. I would get mm-hmm. questions pop in. And I was getting like Zotero questions from people in other countries and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this just isn't working very well for for what I need it to do. So, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. I think 
any way that we reach out to people, you know, is, is a good thing. It's just a matter of finding how and when and in what format to reach out that really like resonates with them. So I'll report back on my office hours. Um, and I do have one other update. Sorry. I'm taking up a lot of time as well. Um, but the actual instruction related thing. Um, so I think I, I mentioned I was supporting an online class this summer and created a bunch of online tutorials and I talked about possibly doing a flipped uh, classroom session, but I just wanted to tell everyone what that session is. So if it, you know, maybe spurs any ideas for anybody else. Um, so I'm taking some of the tutorials and assigning them as homework before they come to class. Um, so like a basic on intro to the library website, uh, how to find articles, full text online, and evaluating resources. And then uh, in class, we're going to split them up into groups. Uh, they're going to eight groups. Um, and then the, the groups are either going to get Google, Google Scholar, um, and then two environmental science databases. And each group has to come up with a small bibliography of four resources um, that they think are the best ones using the, um, the you know, evaluation of resources that they learned in the tutorial. And then they each half of the class gets together and creates a mega bibliography of their six best resources from all four of those things. And then they're going to go head to head in a competition and like defend all six of their sources, where they got it and why it's the best um, based on their prompt, which is an environmental science prompt. And then the professor and I are going to grade, well, grade, decide who the winner is, and then they get some sort of small prize. Hmm. So I have no idea if it's going to work or not. That sounds no. awesome though. I, love I know. I, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to hear how that goes. Yeah. I'm excited too. I my biggest worry is that they won't have watched the videos. And they'll mm -hmm. be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I think we're gonna do like a very short kind of recollection of how to evaluate stuff. Um oh and I'm also gonna do one spe specifically on evaluating web sources. Um and this works especially well for environmental science because there tends to be like not always is all the best stuff going to be in journal articles, but like the government keeps a lot of good, you know, websites and data sites. Um, that are often relevant to environmental topics. And then, of course, then you get everything else from, like, nonprofits and politicians and, you know, everybody has something to say about a lot of environmental issues. So they're going to have to wade through all of that crap. So, and uh, previous semesters, people tend to cite that sort of stuff in their research, especially NGOs, um, nonprofits. So we'll see how it goes. I'll report back. <laughs> So that'll be the second week of class. So I'm excited that's my, about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds great. Thanks. If anyone else wants to try it, you're welcome, but let me know that you did. Oh, I have it down <laughs> as things to things to steal from all of you guys. That's one more. <laughs> <laughs> I love the flip classroom idea, I have to say. It's I it, I've become more convinced that it's it's really one of the ways to go, you know, at least to try because it's it's exciting. It gives you something new to try too. Um yeah. So, and it yeah. gets all the boring stuff out of the way. So I don't have to spend my whole time just talking about, you know, the here's our website and here's mm -hmm. how to evaluate, you know, that we can spend all of our time actually like discussing and like getting involved with it and applying those skills, essentially, rather than assuming that they're going to apply all those skills once they leave the classroom, you know, on their paper. So it's right. kind of like a mock chance for them to learn how to do it before they actually have to do it. So 
I think the tough part, though, for especially for us as guest instructors that Rachel, you've already pointed out, which is getting them to do the do the reading or do the viewing ahead of time, because that you know we're not grading them. Uh, so if you can get the professor to be your your partner in that somehow and and come up with some motivator for them to actually do the the work the night before. Um, I've just found it as in my role as a guest speaker that it's tough to get them to do any homework yep. for that because they know that I don't have any real authority over them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So that's the challenge. But it sounds like you've got a, a tight partnership going with the, the professor, which should help mitigate that a lot, I think. Yeah, we, we went out to lunch this summer just to talk about um, what to do for instruction this fall. And this is our third year doing this together. So I figured, you know, I, I thought she'd be a good recipient. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought she'd be open to it more so than most instructors. And she, she already trusts me, you know, and likes what I've been doing. So this is just kind of a natural extension of it. So, and she's, she's has no qualms about, you know, assigning students homework and like being very, you know, task mistress when she has to be mm-hmm. making sure they do it. So perfect. yeah. Sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to Robin. Oh, what kind of stuff have you been thinking about working on, interested in? Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, I think a lot similar to what we've been talking about, you know, it's fall, since I'm at uh, American University as well, um, got classes coming up, and um, on top of, you know, the normal bits with, with prepping those, kind of like Jason, you mentioned doing um, some orientation work. I've got, yep. I've got a number of those um, types of events coming up, which is, is super excited. It's one of the new, I think, invigorating things for me is to think about, you know, just any alternative sort of um, formal or informal instruction moments. And orientations are fantastic. It's You kind of have everyone fresh and excited. They don't know, you know, what they need to pay attention to and not to pay attention to. So you kind of just slip in there <laughs> with, with library information. And um, since I, again, I work with communication folks and they, you know, the large professional contingent, and, and that's a tough crowd sometimes to convince them you know, if you if you throw the word research in too much, it, it kind of alienates them. So um, I've had a lot of fun working with um, not only like the gra- the general graduate orientation for the School of Communication, but for the first time this year, um, I've actually been working on my um, relationship with faculty and going to some of their departmental meetings such that um, I knew they had this new program coming up. They have this new um, master's program in, it's called Media Entrepreneurship, um, which I had to figure out what that meant because it could mean a lot of things. That was the first goal. But um, they're doing like a weekend get-together that gives them plenty of information about how to succeed in the program. And for just that group of students, I'm going to be doing like a kind of an exercise on how to find certain types of information. So it's it's, it's sort of like a, a smaller orientation slash activity. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as long as it's not a disaster, <laughs> but I'll know by this Saturday. Um, so that's been great. Um, uh, Rachel and I have actually been working on some really fantastic types of uh, different, both instruction and research, uh, bibliometrics, which now we can now call bibliometrics with manga <laughs> for, our, <laughs> for our future promotion. Um, so we've been working a lot on this topic. Um, and in fact, we presented uh, a poster on it over the summer at uh, ALA, and it's um, it's one of these things I, I, I feel like is um, 
a really up and coming area um, for librarians to, to jump in on with um, looking at how to measure scholarly impact, essentially. So uh, Rachel and I will be doing a workshop this next week um, prior to the start of classes uh, just for faculty, specifically targeted new faculty, about how do you measure your scholarly impact, what tools are out there. And um, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. Um, Rachel, do you want to say a little bit about that? Well, we have seven whole people signed up for it. Which Woo! is, that's <laughs> fine. That's good for well, me. <laughs> in retrospect, bibliometrics and impact, research impact is probably not the best title for it. There's so many better, sexier ways to say it, you know, because all pre-tenure faculty really need to be concerned with it. And really all faculty, you know, it's becoming a big thing that like, it, honestly, every single librarian too needs to be able to demonstrate what kind of impact they're having on their profession. Right, and I'm just, assuming there's yeah. a variety of tools out there that people may not even know about. I mean, they oh, might know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, Travis. <laughs> yeah, Anna. <laughs> See? We are voice twins. You're it's right. <laughs> I'm even watching, Robin. I know she wasn't I speaking know. just then. <laughs> um, French accent. I've got it. I'm working on it. Right yeah. Now. So a lot of it just kind of, it's kind of a reflection of scholarly communication itself of um, from communication comes impact. So how is what you're, you know, saying to your your peers and your field of interest, um, how is it impacting that field? And obviously the way that we're communicating with each other has changed. And I think <laughs> the podcast is an excellent example of that, of, you know, this is us contributing to the field, but not in a way that's ever really been done before because uh, it's not a journal article, it's not a book. And those are kind of the traditional publication venues. Um, but the internet has given us some really interesting ways to interact with each other. And the big question is, how do you measure the impact of that? And is it valid in the same way that books and journal articles are? So um, there are a number of tools to kind of measure various ways, like uh, how many Twitter followers you have is kind of a really basic metric of, you know, are you having an impact on your field? How often is your blog read or responded to or posted on Facebook or how many people have downloaded uh, your presentation, um, things like that, or your Prezi or whatever you have. Um, so I think it's partly telling faculty how they can kind of collect this information no matter how they are communicating in their field, but also uh, raising awareness that we are communicating different ways and there are different ways to measure it. And it's, you know, developing a more complete picture of what impact means uh, rather than just simply how many times has a journal article been cited? Cause that's really all that's used right now. And really on, on top of just, you know, all the new ways we communicate for scholarly purposes, for general purposes, you know, if nothing else, even if some faculty find that a little bit too out there, you, you certainly have a hard time arguing that, you know, modes of, of distribution of just even traditional, you know, journal articles, um, information about books has totally changed, you know, um, students, other scholars, you know, where they go to get information. And we find this all the time as librarians, you know, they're not all, they're not going to the databases every time to, <laughs> to right. go and pick out, they, they discover articles through using, you know, the internet. And that means that they may find it through Twitter. I mean, it's also just figuring out if citation, citations just don't cover all the ways people are finding you. Um, so maybe you have a huge impact, but not everyone's citing you, just people are reading you or clicking on links that you've produced. Um, it, it's just, I think it's just a better picture of what engagement looks like 
um, and, and scholars, especially those who are in, you know, interdisciplinary areas, in kind of those new areas where it's not really clear who the the main audience is going to be or where they're all located. It's, it's just a, it's, it's really insightful to see um, what you can gather if you just start to play with any tools. And, and too often, you know, it's, it's people just aren't looking. So hopefully the workshops will, will help. And in fact, to put in another plug, we're actually going to be um, putting out a list. You mentioned like kind of what these tools are. Um, we're going to be putting out an internet resources column in, I think November it's going to come out mm-hmm. uh, for college and research libraries uh, news. Oh, so, fantastic. That's that's yeah. great. You'll get a huge audience for that. That's terrific. In yeah. impact, we will try and measure it <laughs> through, you know, but think about that. It's sort of like how many people cite that column? Not so much, but if you look at how often it's read or downloaded, those are measurements that um, that I'll be looking at because I want to know who's, if people are interested. And so, but thank you. We're very excited. We've done um, something along those lines. It wasn't quite the same cool stuff that you guys are doing with the new outlets of, of scholarly communication, but we have done um, workshops here for faculty about you know how to measure your your impact of your articles. And um, uh, Rachel, you said you wanted a sexier title. If you want to get faculty's attention, put promotion and tenure in the title. Like <laughs> at tools for yeah. promotion and tenure, that got their attention Ooh, fast. I like that. Seriously, um, yeah. yeah. Our uh, one of our uh, one of my colleagues here uh, has uh, has a research interest in that and sort of specializes in that as one of her her outreach things that she does for faculty, and it's really cool. Um, but uh, just the fact that we were promoting that there was a workshop about this, I mean, I posted to the communication department listserv saying, hey, we're going to offer this workshop. And the people who wrote back to me who said, I can't go to the workshop, but can you help me with this? I got several of those emails back. You know, what do you know about this stuff? Can you, you know, can you sit down and talk to me about this? That it really got a lot of attention as a, uh, a means of outreach to faculty. And they were really interested in in what we had to say about it. There I was there was another point I was going to make about this and I've already forgotten it so I'll just shut up there but <laughs> <laughs> But it's I, I think you have a really good point. It's sort of when you cuz you also have the tension of when you tie it to tenure everyone's paying attention, you know, promotion, tenure, boom. Um and I think sometimes I, I get caught up in, you know, oh, there are these other, all these other interesting applications, but that really that's the first and foremost thing. Um, so we'll, we'll have to look into that. You know, I mean, it's it, it's no different. What's the learning objective if you're dealing with students? Well, they have an assignment they have to accomplish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. We can, I like that framing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so that's... I, I think it'll. We'll find the right way to promote it, and then we'll let. You, I'll have Rachel will update you guys. Um, I will say that uh, the other thing I'm working on, um, separate from kind of those different ways of doing instruction and um, planning for these new workshops, uh, I'm very excited. I'm going to be taking the the step um, to teach my own class actually this fall as well. I'll be teaching a collection development class for a different DC university uh, for just one semester. So. Um, that's a, it's a nice kind of change up for me in order to kind of revitalize, I think, the that other perspective of having, you know, weekly access to students, <laughs> what that means for I'll have to change my technique and not just kind of entertain <laughs> for, you know, an hour and then run and never see them. That's fantastic, though. That's that's great. I've um, I've always wondered what that would be like to to actually teach a library school class. I think that's super cool. 
Yeah, I, you know, it, it might be a total disaster. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, you know what, they're, it's, it's, they're at least, uh, you know, LAS students, very kind, and I have no reason to think otherwise. And in fact, I already know one of the students. It was one of those wonderful and terrifying moments where you kind of let someone at work know that you're going to be doing this different class, and then that person says, oh, I'm in that class, because actually I'm an LAS student in that program. So then you freeze your face and try and, and try <laughs> twist it into a smile from that look of shock and... Uh, no, it'll be it'll be fantastic, um, I'm sure. But I think I'll, I'll in fact learn a lot um, from them too, and hopefully it'll make my my library instruction better at, at AU too. We'll see. I can imagine it would be a lot tougher to plan every week, like not wanting to just you know do lecture like that's the default. Like they need to learn this. I know this. I'm just going to teach them, and you know we see a lot of that in college and we're always like we can do better we're gonna plan active learning exercises but the reality is we're doing it once and you are gonna now be doing this every week and that's a little tough well, I, I, I it's it's totally true I, I used to teach um in an english department and i so i had the groove down at one point i think there was still a lot of lecture <laughs> that i ended up doing but uh but yeah you're right it's it's sort of it's easy to idealize, you know, what this is going to go like. And when you have a one-shot session that you idealize and then it turns out how it turns out, it's it's easier to kind of compartmentalize that and then try it again, you know, differently or with um, improvements or just basic amendments next time. But you, know, you have to build those relationships. Um, but I will mention, in fact, uh, I'm one of my solutions is going to be bringing other people into the classroom. So I'm looking for um, some good librarians want to talk about um, collection development so that I, in fact, so I can record thoughts that people have. And I, I'm already, I've already gotten Rachel to promise that she's going to help me with this. So that's my solution at this point is as, as little of me as possible, as much of other qualified colleagues. I was so going to say that yeah. I know with some of my, when I was in library school, I mean, it, I always appreciated the teachers, the, the quote unquote adjunct professors that I had, the ones who were actually still working in libraries and even they would bring in people who were working in libraries to come in and guest speak and I just I thought I learned some of the greatest things from those people who were actually out quote-unquote in the trenches doing the job which is great it's true you know I had the the same type of experience it's just it's also easy when I was the student watching someone else (laughs) bring in I think those people um but I mean I still learn a lot from Anybody who was I've thought of, it's like, oh, who might have a really great perspective on this? Who I know is actively working, like you say, in the trenches, and you know, it, everybody, even people you know well, have great things to share about what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I will also mention, in terms of kind of instructional planning and um, some things that I'm going to try uh, for this semester, at least in this class, um, I'm integrating a, a Tumblr into the into the class. So I'm, this is another, it's a lot of new things for me. Um, I've done blogs in the past to sort of supplement to classes, both as a librarian and then in teaching, but I've never done a Tumblr. So. So why did you choose a Tumblr? I, you know, I've, I've done WordPress before and blogger, um, things like that. And I wanted something that really said, interact with me. Um, you know, you're easy. It's so easy to learn. Mm -hmm. I think the learning curve on it is quick. Which is great. <laughs> Time is running out. Um, yeah, exactly. And it, you want it to be unintimidating for for me and then for them too. So I'm going to try and have it as a, 
a way for them to just kind of informally um, interact with one another and kind of contribute to the class community. I, I should preface this by saying that this is a um, an online and weekend class. So we meet once a month in a classroom on Saturdays, and the rest of it's entirely online. So that it's even more important to to build up, you know, some sense of of non-formal interaction, you know, informal and just fun stuff. So I'm hoping Tumblr is the solution, but, but, uh, you still got to maintain it. So (laughs) that's, that's what I have to keep in mind and build into my practices. And, and for all I know, I have thought about using it as part of, um, library instruction as a way to do outreach and do kind of like that flipped mode with, um, with students sort of post things that if we can get instructors to assign them, that would give more time in a, a one-shot session to ask meaningful questions and do exercises. But but I haven't done any of it yet. So, <laughs> so like I said, right now it's this perfect vision of, oh, of course, it's it'll be fine. Uh, but you, you got to keep trying. So, And I, I think that does bring up the point of like a flipped classroom model with undergraduate and graduate students is so different that like I can totally envision with graduate students assigning them homework and then you just spend the entire time discussing it right and I don't think that would work nearly as well with undergrads because some people haven't read it some people don't care you know you'll have like two or three people who may be actually engaged in the content and excited but a lot of people just have to take whatever class they happen to be in Mm -hmm. so you really have to create something that's more active and engaging and forces them to you know, it's like reinforcing the concept rather than exploring new issues based on the basic concepts. You'd have to build in more structure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, we're at the graduate level. Like, absolutely, all I want to do is, like, ask more questions about things I didn't understand and, like, really increase my understanding. But you've already got people who are definitely interested in what mm-hmm. they're reading and what you have to say. Yeah, in theory, at least. <laughs> <laughs> we well, you know, to a higher degree than undergraduate. How about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you remind me of something interesting I had kind of forgotten. So I have a, um, again, flipped classroom, sort of new kind of classroom balances with um, prep. Um, there's this course that um, at my university that I didn't even know existed, but I just found out about where it's like this freshman prep success one credit class you know so Mm -hmm. they learn all about these great skills including some things with research and I got approached by the instructor just a couple weeks ago saying you know we'd love to incorporate the library we don't have time to do a tour of the library so you've got you know no time basically but we want to include you so what can you come up with (laughs) which was you know I had nothing at first to think I was like well I'm not so sure but um, what I ended up trying to do and I, I again this is all untested um, was use uh, Jing to create, you know, screen capture to create like a um, five-minute video of me describing a like a task, a kind of fun challenge for them with database searching. And what's going to happen, I guess, is this instructor is going to put it in their course syllabus as an assignment that they then come into class and discuss the results with her. So, you know, I think the assignment was, you know, use this database, try and find between like one and a hundred results on Twitter and social media. Um, you know, what's your technique for narrowing down properly? So they're going to discuss that with her and then I'll come in potentially for a few minutes only just to say, here's, you know, the quick, you know, summary of some solutions, but I've never done something like that before. 
Um, but these are freshmen, so it's a real challenge because I have no idea what the attention span is going to be. They, they might be excited, but they're also, you know, really new to all this stuff, and I don't have time <laughs> to do even a one-shot session. So um, I, I don't know if that's a viable solution for working with, you know, kind of a not quite flipped, but um, alternative model for doing something other than the one-shot session for undergraduates. But I didn't have much of a choice this time. So I, I might as well try something. I know. And you're getting in the classroom and they're going to see you. And I, I don't know. That's one of the biggest things I think is important for when you're trying to create that outreach to the first year student, you know, that there's these people behind the books that can yeah. uh, mm-hmm. yep. help. That's been my big thing. I've been harping on to like any of my colleagues that will listen is like, it is all about the personal relationship and Mm -hmm. the minute they recognize that there's somebody that they know in the library that will help them, it stops being quite so scary. You know, whether that's a liaison, whether that's someone they've met at the reference desk, it doesn't really matter. They just need to know that it's a human that's approachable and will help. And that's it, you know? (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, So I've been, I've been trying to like, um, get pictures of us like Robin and I made short videos to put up on our library homepage that's of, right like, we did I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't know what happened to that <laughs> no we don't it could be anywhere yeah um, but with of the idea of like more of kind of like hey we're humans you know like let's just talk and smile a lot and like did you talk like a robot <laughs> <laughs> I'm the monkey man get your yeah, mask I sound like a robot <laughs> But then they'll be so disappointed if they see you again and you don't talk like that. I know. So That's true. Like, That's true. What's up with that? Where's your robot voice? <laughs> I want to meet the robot. <laughs> you guys have pictures on your websites of you. Like if you go to like a staff directory, do they have a picture of you guys? A U like, like, like you know Rachel, Rachel Borchardt, you know science yeah. librarian. We do have profiles, um, and we get to set the picture, which is awesome. So I, I actually do have a monkey in my profile. He, <laughs> um, and then uh, libguides. We have our libguides profiles, oh, okay. but it is a bitch and a half to get to any of those. Like you just have to know where to click, and it's three or four clicks in before okay. you get it. And that's been a you? big beef of mine. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, our libguides have pictures on them, and there I've I've always as as a, our libguides administrator, I have always um, encouraged people to put pictures of themselves up. Some people don't like that, and they put you know an abstract, you know some some other object or a, a book or whatever. And there are a few people who just don't put their pictures up. Students who have recognized my face. Uh, n- not from a class. It's been from the libguides, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've had people come up to the reference desk and go, "Oh, you're the journalism guy," and I go, "Yeah, that's," and and they've said it was from my libguide. So yeah, libguides yeah. will help you get the face- facial recognition going. Mm-hmm. I know when I was in ac- the academic library, said so I always was a big fan of let's put our pictures up so people know, and especially at the big universities. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was always yeah. network existence. And it makes sense for public libraries. There's kind of a, you want to be approachable, maybe me not personalizable approachable in public libraries because there isn't like a defined audience that you're, you know, reaching out to. It's anyone and everyone, including, you know, people that maybe you don't want contacting you personally. It's a, so. it's a different piece, I think. Yeah, definitely. And but a lot of, one thing that you think about the whole, it's all about creating like a welcoming environment. And I think a lot of public libraries are just built to be very welcoming. Like, that's the goal of the layout. And i got to say, a lot of academic libraries aren't really there. 
you know, it's, they're not like inviting, come in to me. So this is why you need, you need like the pictures of the people. Cause you have to have, you know, that something else to compensate. Cause I, you know, whenever I thought, think of all the, the public libraries I love, you know, I, I thought of them as friendly places with friendly faces. Um, even if I didn't know who everyone was, but then I built relationships, you know, with, with certain public librarians for sure. Um, Academic librarians, though, it's like, what do you even need to see them for? There's just so much more of a uh, difficulty with, you know, getting people oriented to why they need to come in. Um, so that's it. I have to say my my favorite public librarian when I was a kid actually has found me on Facebook. And so I see her face all the time since she has a <laughs> lovely picture. And, and um, I was just thinking, oh, well, see, there you go. You can all put your faces on, on your Facebook accounts and use them for work and then everyone will come and say, oh, look, you know, there you are in the public library. Well, I think this uh, wraps up our back to school special. Uh, This has been, uh, what is it? Episode 39 of Adventures in Library Instruction. And Robin, thank you so much for coming. And yeah. um, And tune in next month for more fun goodness. Adventures in Library Instruction is produced by Rachel Borcher, Jason Puckett, and Anna Van Skoik. It's released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial license. To subscribe, go to our website at adlibinstruction.blogspot.com. Leave comments and suggestions on the blog or email us at adlibinstruction at gmail.com. Our opening theme song is Dropping Out of School by Brad Sucks, and our closing theme is Higher Education by the Napoleon Bonapartes. Both are available at magnatune.com. Contact the library schools and the American Library Association. They are able to give you valuable advice.